Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome, everybody, to a Baseball America podcast. Along with J.J. Cooper, I'm John Manuel. Getting hot this afternoon in North Carolina. Spring is coming. We're going to talk a little spring training on Baseball America. We're going to talk a little top 20 rookies, and we'll take a lot of your questions as always, you can send questions into the podcast at podcast at baseballamerica.com. I want to remind you that our 2012 books are probably the easier way. Uh, just tweet us. You can that's... tweet them, but I do get the emails. I do get the. Uh, I used to get a lot of emails at the podcast. We now don't we really get a lot push of tweets. it. Well, we yeah. just don't push it very much. So podcast at baseballamerica.com, where you can always send the questions to us via Twitter at Baseball America. We're over 50,000 strong. At JJ Cooper. Strong. Oh, you're at at, at JJ Coop 36. I'm at John Manuel BA, so we'll take some of your questions right out of the gate. Our 2012 books are just about all done. Directory's the printer. Director will be done soon. Super Register went to press, I believe, this week, and that will end book season at Baseball America. So another uh, exciting book season. Which means that spring training is here because that's, that's right. pretty much those coincide. That's right. Book season ends and actual games begin, and uh, looking forward to seeing some. Uh, obviously, we've had the college games start, but we're looking forward to just seeing some Spring training games, and today we had, a, I guess it was the first game as the Phillies against Florida State, and Florida State held that game scoreless into the sixth inning before Scott Pasednik put the Phillies ahead. And I was like, wait a minute, Scott Pasednik is on the Phillies? I had no idea. So that sounds like I'm going to just guess minor league uh, invite with a you know, minor league but he's got a better contract sh- with an invite. To better shot of making the team I think the Dominic Brown right now. Philly that may be true. Very, Phillies seem very intent. On Dominic Brown starting the year in the minor leagues, JJ, and uh, we, I, go ahead. Prospect. When you talk about prospect fatigue, the 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 Phillies seem to have Dominic Brown prospect fatigue. It's really strange because two years ago, when they called him up, it almost seemed like it was too soon. And now I think the biggest problem for Dominic Brown is that he just doesn't fit. You know, when they had Jason Worth, and they had Worth, Victorino, Ibanez. It seemed like it would just make sense if he could replace Ibanez, but Ibanez still had the 2011 season on his contract. Worth did not. Worth becomes a free agent, and then they they really just weren't. They were just too left-handed. Um, you know, so that's why you saw Ben Francisco get a bat. So then John Mayberry Jr. makes more sense, and they you know Charlie Manuel and kind I, of fixed John Mayberry Jr.'s Stanford swing. And the reality of it is, right now is that John Mayberry had a good enough season last year that. It makes sense that you are that they're planning to count on him more. And John Mayberry Jr. is just a little bit better. He is better at defense because he's less raw. He's more refined. As big as he is, John Mayberry even filled in in center field for them, which I don't think anyone could ever have imagined his dad doing. I think it would be kind of funny to have watched his dad play center field. But I think those things made a difference. He's a more well-rounded player and a right-handed bat and, you know, so I kind of wonder, I think from a fantasy perspective, Dominic Brown is not worth having. I still think if you're in a keeper league and you can keep him, I still think there's a big league future for Dominic Brown where he's going to be a productive big league regular. It just may I not think be in an, Philly. I think an above average big league regular. I think, he's just a, I think he's a great piece of trade fodder for that team if they have infield injuries. And considering all their infielders are over the age of 30, uh, I expect them to have infield injuries this year. That wasn't even a, a question, but we do have several questions 
um, on the on the Twitter. I'll, I'll go ahead and start, JJ. Let's because uh, 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 this issue will be our major league preview issue. We're wrapping that up tomorrow. We'll have our top twenty rookies in there, several features. Um, but uh, this question goes to our top twenty rookies uh, list, JJ. Uh, Reggie at, at Gopherballs asks, Addison Reed's role in the White Sox bullpen. Sounds like Robin Ventura is not necessarily, well, he's far from handing the job to Addison Reed. Sounds like Addison Reed has a shot to earn a right. spot in their bullpen, but he's not going to close for the n- near term. Which could be the first two weeks of April, if, if anything like last year when the exactly. White Sox... Sergio Santos was not being handed a job at this point last year. He had about as much professional experience pitching as Addison Reed. Right. You know. And actually less, I think. Yeah. He had a, you know, he had a but year. But if you think about it, this time last year, Santos was talked about as being a, a part of their bullpen. And, well, Matt Thornton was going to be the closer. And it took about three weeks, I think, is what it was, before they realized, wow, their bullpen's in trouble and Sergio Santos can fix it. So. I just think the talent's going to win out, and right. I think that when you look at the talent in their bullpen, there's a pretty good chance that Addison Reed's going to be, by at least midseason, going to be their best reliever. Yeah, his competition, at least for right-handed relievers, is like Jan Marinez, whom they got from the and Marlins. Who, who throws even harder but has way less idea of where it's going. Correct. Gregory Infante, who's similar, hard thrower, not much of a clue. And guys like uh, Dante Heath. You know, I'm not a big Dante Heath that fan. Anthony Carter. Th- these are all guys that Addison Reed. These are all fringy guys, to be these, honest. That's it. Those, these are all guys who you co- you hope they, they throw really they're, hard, so you hope you catch in the lightning cases, in the bottle. The best way to put them is is to put charitables. They're castoffs. They are guys who you take flyers on. Almost every one of those guys you just mentioned is a flyer. Yeah, and they Fonte, picked them yeah. up from someone. And I think in the Fonte other they t- develop, but the rest right. of those guys are not. I Dante right. Heath. The Braves were okay with. Saying goodbye to him. Right. Nathan Jones, I didn't mention him. He's another guy who I don't think has any experience over a ball and really does throw hard, but not really. There's not a lot of competition there for Addison Reed. Right? And I just think, job, again, so. the talent's going to win out in that case. And especially as a reliever, uh, a rookie reliever can step in and be pretty good right away. Yeah, I think so. And I think Addison Reed is prepared for that. I mean, he's prepared for some spotlight. He's, uh, I think he's a, he's a, not an ideal number one prospect to have, but I don't think he's a bad number one prospect either. I think he's pretty good. I think he's got a chance to be a good big league no, reliever. No, with the White Sox, before all the trades, what really was bad is this when you got from number two on. Yeah, number two was Trace Thompson. I, even after the trades, I mean, it's not like Nestor Molina and Simone no, Castro that, are great still, shakes. Yeah, it's not something you're going to be saying, man, that's, that's awesome, but it's it's still better than it was. Let's go to Doug Plord, a longtime BA podcast listener and fan. Appreciate all the uh, compliments Doug threw our way uh, after the last podcast. After reading SBA this week and seeing that everyone had Barnes in their top 150, was he a last-minute cut? I guess he's talking about Harrison Barnes. No, I'm kidding. Uh, I'm still in basketball, college basketball mode. But Red uh, Sox right-hander Matt Barnes. Matt Barnes. And I would say he was a Matt cut. Barnes. He wasn't a cut, but I think Jim explained this well in our top 100 podcast, J- uh, JJ, because – He's just a hard guy to rank because the Red Sox list really crunched on Matt Barnes. Well, it was very difficult to figure out where to rank him. Jim says, in hindsight, he ranked Barnes. He got locked in right. on Barnes is how he describes it. Like when he was doing the Red Sox list, he really, in hindsight, liked Barnes a little better than where he ranked on the Red Sox list. 
but the problem was is and this is kind of a uh, I mean take it a, a little deep into the analytical of how we do this yeah a little granular I'll get granular here with the BA grades it, he ranked them and then he put BA grades on them right and when he put the BA grades on them he really kind of wanted to put a higher grade on Barnes but he also wanted I think it was Iglesias that he wanted ahead of him no it wasn't Iglesias I think it was Bryce Brents. Was it, it Brents? Bryce Brents. Okay. Iglesias was outside his top ten. Okay, so. sorry, it was Brents. So he wanted Brents ahead of him, and that kind of locked him in a little bit as far as what grade he could put him put right. on him. And then, like in hindsight, looking back on it, what how Jim's made the point is, is he said, you know, there's not a whole lot of separation between Barnes and that second group, not the Trevor Bauer, Garrett Cole group, but that second group of. 2011 college right-handers who are rank ahead of them. The right, Taylor Youngman, Taylor Youngman, Sonny Gray. Uh, Jim thinks he's closer to those guys, and Youngman and Gray both made the top 100. And Barnes did not. And Barnes did not. Now Youngman rated significantly ahead of Barnes in our top 200, like you know eight on our overall draft t- top 200. I, I think Barnes was right after Sonny Gray, and there is you know a decent amount of scouts. I'd still say it's the minority, but there's a decent you amount of people who argument. think that Sonny Gray is a reliever, not a starter. So you could make the argument of Barnes ahead of Gray. Um, obviously, I, we feel the consensus is Gray ahead of Barnes, but there's not a huge difference between those two guys, no, and J.J., and you could definitely make the case that Barnes could have made the top 100, but I think in the college context, we would say pole mechanics is kind of what kept them out. Well, but really, top 10 mechanics, in a way, kept them out. I think we all would have felt uncomfortable jumping Matt Barnes ahead of three other guys who didn't uh, on the Red no, Sox top this way. 10. Bryce Brents was not a top 100 guy right now. I don't think. Yeah, not for me. Uh, Brandon Jacobs was more of a top 100 right. guy for I would me rather have Bryce Brandon Brents. Jacobs than Bryce Brents on that list. And I like Bryce Brents. That's no, nothing but, but – I like but, saying Bryce Brents. But um, another way to put it is is that uh, – one other thing to remember with this, and we, we love the top 100, and, and we love the fact that people get fired up about right. it, even to the point of how's this guy – 88 and this guy's 92 loud noises but but do remember especially at the back end of that list if you're saying one guy's 10 and one guy's 50 oh yeah we're saying there's a difference right if you say one guy is 95 and made it and one guy's 105 and didn't we're not saying there's a whole lot of difference there right i am noticing now that i'm looking at this i I don't think we looked at this in the meeting that jed bradley who made the list but is left-handed Ranked one spot behind Matt Barnes in our top in our draft list, and then Daniel Norris at 16 also made the top 100. So maybe if we had that little nugget, if we'd remembered that nugget. But again, of it really part of it was though is it was going to be difficult. It's like then really what Bradley did go ahead of him in the draft. Bradley went ahead of him in the draft, and beyond that, again, it comes back to okay, well, did we rank? Are we jumping them over several guys who, when we did the Red Sox, not that we don't ever do that, but there were several guys ahead of him on the Red Sox rankings who weren't going to make it. Right. So we were essentially going to be redoing our rankings pretty significantly. Kind of had a similar thing go on with the Blue Jays' top ten and and their players. You could certainly make a case for, like Justin Nicolino didn't make the top 100. He came close. Mm -hmm. He got support. I, I like Justin Nicolino. I like Drew Hutchison a lot. We had Nicolino at four, Hutchinson at nine. Their grades are very similar, but we really. I think uh, we're I think we're both on the Drew Hutchinson fan. Club. We both like Drew Hutchinson, um, but I can see why Nicolino ranked ahead of him. I can see why a lot of the guys, Noah Syndergaard, uh, ranked ahead of him. I understand that 
from an upside standpoint, where I, I, I think Syndergaard's and Nicolino probably both a good three years away. I think Drew Hutchison might be a big Which, leaguer this year. You know, I would have liked to squeeze Drew Hutchison into the back of the top 100, but he would have been skipping basically five guys. And that's tough. And to they were top 10. So when you're putting together your own personal top 150, it's hard because I think you want to respect the other rankings we've done. And we want to try to stay somewhat consistent. Right, and we can't stay 100% consistent. And the reality is, is that we right now, spring training started, we are getting more information. It's funny. I, right. I know I am the Anthony – I am the – I have been the anti – Anthony Rendon guy in the office. I'm higher on him now. You know why? It sounds crazy, but he showed up to spring training, and he is playing. Yeah. That's one thing I just wanted to see. You should have been working him out at shortstop. He's playing <laughs> second base, shortstop, and third base. Which, well, I, 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 the thing about it is is that I, I know I love the, when they talked about, you know, well, maybe Rendon moves Zimmerman off of third. Since when does Zimmerman? I know he's getting older, but. I just don't see Zimmerman moving off of third. Well, he did have some issues last year defensively where he was kind of messing around with his throwing mechanics. Right. but I, I, so he made some errors. I guess the other thing is he is a much bigger guy than I think we think of or we remember. No, but I remember him being big, but he's always just been. He's agile. He's I mean, agile. He, he's a guy who. He's 6'3", 230, though. You know, that's a big dude. I mean, he's, a, he's basically evolved into the next Scott Rowland. Scott Rowland's 6'4", 240. You know, I remember when David Wright came up and I had some scouts, or we saw, I don't even think it was scouts. I don't remember where the first comparison came from, probably from their statistics of David Wright to uh, being compared to Scott Rowland. I remember saw, throwing that at a scout and saying, well, maybe the numbers, but you can't compare them because one guy's just David Wright's four inches shorter and 40 pounds smaller. I mean, Scott Rowland's a beast. You know, he was, he was trying to make the point of the physicality of remember, Scott Rowland. A true athletic beast, like right. a Division One basketball player. Right, and that's what makes – and that's what I that almost was got Scott's to watch point. Scott Rowland play in, in college. But. He, he would have gone to Georgia with its storied basketball tradition. Yes. Vern Fleming, the Neek, Alec Kessler. And that's it. That's it. It ends It ends with the Neek pretty much. I, I do respect Vern Fleming. that He kept the Tar Heels from going to the Final Four in 1983. But I digress. That is the highlight. You have just <laughs> hit the highlight in Georgia basketball history. Yeah, I don't like that one. Anyway, that's not on Jim. That'll be Jim Callis's Twitter page next week, just to tweak me. Um, but yeah, but you know, but a couple of years ago, uh, Zimmerman hit 33 home runs. Two years ago, 25. Last year, 12. When he was injured, I think he actually has enough bat to move to first base, which I know, is amazing. I'm not he doesn't. I, I'm, right. Yeah. I, just I just think, think it's think amazing because it, he was thought of as a glove first. Gap hitter, fifteen right. to twenty home runs guy. When he signed, he just he's been better than that. Right. But that being said, he's been better than that. Yes. At the same time, to me, you move him to first base, and especially when you talk about NL first baseman, he becomes at best an average first baseman. If you look at the NL, like we talk about, they Ryan just Hamlin. lost their two best first basemen. Yeah, that's true. Well, they all keep going. They all keep going. <laughs> yeah. Talk, okay. Excuse I don't me. Let me rephrase true. this. When you talk about first baseman around baseball in general, he'd be an average first baseman because the A.L. I still think he'd be above average. I mean, 142 ops plus is his career high. That's this is his career and, high. And he, and he his, has a couple 130. Well, he had a couple injuries in there. I, well, I, just, no, but I just navigated off his page. But, I mean, he's not Joey Votto, but at the same time, so it's a 120 ops plus for his career. That's, I don't think that's that. I still think that's above, I think that's above average, but I don't think he'd be even for uh, to first me, base. My point is, is to me, if you've got a guy like that who I really think can handle third base, sure, and you've got another guy who can handle second. 
it's an interesting discussion because Rendon, the question is, can he handle second base? And I just was talking to a scout yesterday who thought, as an amateur, that Anthony, he never thought Anthony Rendon would stick at third base. The reason he didn't like Rendon is he didn't like his lower half. He didn't like his feet. Thought that he'd have to move out of the infield. Then you have other scouts, and you know, Wayne Graham swore up and down that this guy would you know, play wherever he wanted him to defensively. And the early returns in spring training are Anthony Rendon's hands look great to David Johnson. He's praising his defense, you know, his defensive mm-hmm. tools. So Ham- I, th- I still think moving to second base and physically he's more of a second baseman. He's right. like 5'11", 6 feet me, tall. And, th- and he's more of a third baseman or second baseman than he is a first baseman. I think that's where I'm, where I'm going is that's not the ideal utilization of Ryan Zimmerman's physicality and combination of athleticism and size. But I would see Zimmerman more at first base and Rendon at third, and I would see Zimmerman at third and Rendon at well, first. One other thing, just talking about the Nationals in general, going forward, the other thing is is that you could map out a scenario where Michael Morris, Jason Worth, and Bryce Harper all in the outfield together. <laughs> but I think you probably are better off with Michael Morse being your first baseman. Don't forget, two years from now, Jason Worth's contract really kicks in because <laughs> it's backloaded. And it gets to $21 million a year in each of the last three seasons. Well, the good news for that is, is that, that it'll, just, it'll just be with Vernon Wells at the same time. <laughs> that would Vernon be... Wells' contract will also be still going. The Nationals will be hoping that Tony Regans gets a general manager job between now and then. I'm not sure what their other options are there. I, and, and Jason Worth's spring training already off to a bad start. He's got back spasms and he's not know, missing some workouts. I guess he's not in the best shape of his life. But that was obviously a good question because it spurred some uh, spurred some discussion. Jim Goulart, uh, at Moose underscore Haas, who's I believe runs BrewerFan.net, if I'm not mistaken. If he doesn't run it, he writes there. Uh, Jim asks, are organizations too quick to shift middle infielders to second base permanently? Brewers didn't even bother to begin Scooter Jeanette at shortstop. Um, I think in general, uh, organizations try to leave guys – at shortstop as long as possible. Like, say, the Twins are going to play Miguel Sano this year at shortstop in the Midwest League, so they say. And, you know, he could probably he's, – he's like twice as large as their last P, uh, shortstop at Beloit. Uh, well, he could fit three may, James Bearsfords into Miguel Sano. He may literally be twice as large. I mean, he's not twice as tall because Bearsford – But he is twice as, as he's twice as he's like three times as thick as James <laughs> Bearsford. I think James Bearsford could fit inside the thighs of each of his trousers. And then, uh, of course, they used to have Chris Cates over there as well, who <laughs> was literally half his size at five foot three. Luke Van Mills, uh, former uh, favorite teammate. Um, they of that. They're going to keep him at shortstop as long as they possibly can. Right. Most teams do that, but, JJ. But, I think. But with Scooter Jeanette, okay, you want the explanation? Sure. I think that's what Jim wants. Okay. The explanation to me is is that yes, teams do a lot of times do that. At the same time, you also want to make sure that a guy can handle the position that you see him eventually playing. And in Scooter Jeanette's case, I, I think the Brewers looked at him and said, he's not going to be a shortstop long-term. So you, you can do it the other way, which is we want you to master the position that we feel like you're going to play. And I think that I think there's a lot of and also it, it also comes down to somewhat the reality of it is, is that it depends on your organization situation too. Right. Yeah, the, I, you're part of it, I mean, nothing gets Scooter Jeanette. Scooter Jeanette is a solid prospect. He is a gritty guy who is who always produces. He's, he's gritty and gutty. But he's not a guy who an organization says, we can't move this guy 
because he's the cornerstone guy. I mean, the main thing is Miguel Sano. You don't move yet because the reality of this is that Miguel Sano. You don't hold Miguel Sano back because we got to get this guy ABs at this. You it say, is a little apples and oranges. You're right, well, Miguel Sano. You say. He's going wherever he needs to go, and we'll move the other guys around. Because that's one of the things that goes on with this is that teams don't publicize it, obviously, but they have internally, they do it different ways, but there are guys who basically the path is clear for, and whatever this guy needs to do, if he's ready to move up, he's moving up. Right. There are other guys for whom if that other guy's moving up, I don't care how good a year he's having, we're going to have to figure out what to do with this guy because – this guy's going to have a clear path. And the, the other issue there to me, uh, Jim and, and J.J., is that you, you don't want a guy learning a new position in the major leagues. So I do think you want that experience as much as – yeah, exactly. <laughs> what was it? Was it third he, base that the first time he'd ever yes, taken? Yes, first, first time he'd ever played third base in a pro game was in the big leagues. And hey, uh, the, they never had a ball hit to him, that's so it right. worked out. But. I, I also liked uh, – one of my favorite stories is the, the 2000 Olympics, you know, Tommy Lasorda – where Adam Everett was the everyday shortstop on that team. He got one day off. I forget who they were playing, but Gookie Dawkins, everyone's favorite Gookie, Gookie Dawkins was playing shortstop that day. And Adam Everett was called, was told he was going to be put in in the ninth inning as a defensive replacement. Yeah, and Ray Tanner, his coach at South Carolina, was the associate coach. So they, he threw BP and did some other things pregame. But during the games, he's had to sit in the stands. By that time, I'd moved to sit where Dick Cook and Ray Tanner were in the stands. And uh, Adam Everett looked up at Ray Tanner and said, third base? <laughs> They're putting me at third base. And Ray Tanner said, you'll be fine. You know, <laughs> nothing to it. You could do it. Of course, the first ball's hit right to him. But Adam Everett, being Adam Everett, made the play because that's what he does. He's right. a defensive you, wizard. You and now I think he's uh, like a special it, assistant somewhere. It sounds somewhere. funny, but, I, you know, if you the way I put it is, is that if you've ever played baseball at any level, you have some understanding of how difficult that is because there's like things you have to sit there and all of a sudden if you're shortstop all your life and it's not just the ball being hit to you it's not just making the throw from a right. different angle it's also okay there's a bump play where do i go yeah exactly or, so much to know you know okay ball the outfield you know to the right field okay do I, there's things you have to know that is second nature to you at one position, right? And at another position, you're tentative. And that's it. Also, comes up to me with Jesus Montero. Everyone talks about just moving into first base. Just much easier said than done. There's He's a lot never of played things, it in the minor leagues, JJ. But because you get you, you can say yes, you could put him out there, and most guys are athletic enough and capable enough of putting right. the foot on the bag, holding the glove up, and catching the ball. All right, but. There is a lot more even to first base than that. Okay, wait, where am I supposed to stand here to be, you know, fast guy on first? I'm trying to hold the runner, but at the same time, a situation where, okay, when do I make my break back? All, all those. He could things. certainly go play it right now. He just would play it really poorly, you know. No, no one's saying he couldn't go play it, but if you want him to play it well, then you ideally want some... him to play it some before you just say, hey, here you go. Absolutely. We've got uh, another question that's uh, from Zukowski 10 Robert Zukowski. How big of a leap could Ronald Guzman make next year, and where would he rank compared to recent Dominican guys? Guzman, of course, was the uh, one of the Rangers signees. And one of the probably by, by Ben Badler, who's our, our international uh, amateur expert, 
one of the two or three easily best guys in last year's July 2 class. Yeah, like you said, I mean, he was a well-rounded player, potential five-tool type of guy. Um, what do we rank him? 12th, I think, 13th in our Rangers top and 30. That's, and, and, again, this is one of those reminders that 12 or, you know, rankings are not all equal. Like you say, oh, he's 12th in that. You know, that means you almost not really like him. No. In the Rangers system, that yeah. means you're pretty good. <laughs> yeah, that was a pretty good system. Well, you're number eight prospect, although he probably should have been sixth by the grades. Your number eight guy makes a top 100 in Christian yeah. Villanueva. I have a thought, I'm sure there's one or two other occasions that's the one where that the jumps grades, out. but that's the one that jumps out to me where the grades did not line up. I, I, I'm you pained. Are, you are grades. I, I, I think, because there are 900 players graded. I'm pained. I, I, I think I it's pretty one. awesome if you only missed one. You I, should I not be pained. You should be proud. But if you only missed one, I think I think you should be pretty proud of that. But, yeah, I mean, it definitely seems like Guzman could uh, be a guy who, I don't know if I'd say top 100. I don't think the leaps this year. I think yeah. the leaps 2013. That's right. I don't. I don't think. I, think I mean, the the leap. If you're hoping for a leap from him this year, it's the best way I can put it is is think back. And Miguel Sano made the leap, has kind of halfway made the leap already. Right. right. Well, he's. That's kind of. I mean, that's what you're hoping for if you're a Rangers fan with Guzman. Is that's that a kind good of comp? Leap? That's a good comp. Not, I guess not, not physically, not anything like that, but just kind of the progression you're expecting there. I, I think calling him five tools a little bit too much because we have him as a below-average runner. Um, no, he's a, he's, a, know, but, he's a hitter. He's a, but he's he's more well-rounded than Nomar Mazzara, who I think we have as an all-bat. Right, he's a more well-rounded guy. guy. Yeah, him and Elia Hernandez probably the two best hitting. You know, outfield hitting prospects in that group from last year. Um, got another question here. Fantasy Guideline asking us, can the Reds really be the uh, NL Central favorites this year after last year's showing? I think absolutely. I, it's fun. I saw, uh, I think it was Jerry Krasnick, or I don't if it wasn't Jerry, I apologize, but tweeted out today, a scout said, you know, that the the Reds are his sleeper team. And I'm thinking, How they that's a not a sleeper. That's, yeah. like, if you consider... That the world, yes, the Cardinals are the world champs, and the Brewers were, you know, a playoff team last year. That being said, if you take Albert Pujols and Prince Fielder off of those teams, exactly, they've taken a, a pretty significant step back. There's no doubt. I mean, uh, I like Aramis Ramirez as a free agent signing, but he's not Prince he Fielder. He doesn't fill it just, the it void. Just completely changes the whole dynamic of the Brewers. And the Reds got better. I have the Reds had a great off season. Not just the. I mean, I have they gave up a lot for Matt Latos, but I think. Yeah, a, but they gave up a lot that wasn't going to actually. The well, reality is, those guys they, weren't going to help. Them. They didn't subtract from this year's team. Right. You, you know, can maybe say down the road, team. but the 2012 team, none of those players was probably going to play that significant then, of a role. For and them. then Ryan Madsen, I think, uh, is a tremendous sign for uh, a one-year contract. And I guess the big question, JJ, is what are they going to do in left field? It sounds like they're trying to do a lot of things other than give the job to Chris Heisey. And and the thing about that is, is that. The other, the, the the one that's kind of this year has not gotten that much attention after getting a whole lot of attention last year because it's not as important, not as vital, is what's going to happen for Roldis Chapman. Right. And the Reds are actually, I'll be interested to see if they are willing to do this because it makes sense. They need to try to make Chapman into a starter this year. I think so. They don't need him for the pen necessarily. They have a, a very deep, Adding Madsen means that they look like they have a very – Sean Marshall, who they just signed to an extension. That's the one. They, Getting Sean Marshall makes it that Aroldis Chapman why do you need a does not need to be in the bullpen. That's right. Dominant. Your, your hope is Chapman would be a dominant lefty out of the pen. Well, 
you got a guy who you're just locked up through 2015 who you say may be your closer down the road. So with all that being the case, really, I'll, I'll be interested to see what the Reds do is because it's hard to send a guy back after he's spent mo- pretty much a full season in the big leagues, which Chapman did, you know, uh, most uh, pretty much did last year. Right. But that being said, it really makes sense to me for them to say if it takes April, May, and June in the minors to have him ready to help us as a starter in July and August and September, well worth worth it. it. Well worth it because, again, the, the Reds made the playoffs two years ago, and that was pretty much all they could hope for because they had as uninspiring a group of starting pitchers as you could have for a playoff series where you're facing like Roy Halladay. They had a, a lot of nice number three starters. And nine th- number three, you're being charitable. Because, like, Edison Volquez that year wasn't a three. He would have he been, but that year the, it was, they were hoping to win a lottery ticket with him. Like, okay, maybe right. you'll have an outing where it all comes like together. Bronson Arroyo was a four. Johnny Cueto at that time really wasn't ready to be... Whereas now, if you, the key is, is that if you could get Chapman, and this is asking a lot, but if Chapman by the end of the season could be a three for them, then the idea of Cueto, Latos, and Chapman, that's a scare, that could be a scary rotation in the playoffs. Really what they need is a role as Chapman to be able to, be able to put it together uh, once a week, (laughs) you know, once every other week even would be acceptable for them in the postseason, because they don't need him to be at the front of that rotation. That's that's what Latos is for, and that's what... The maturation of Cueto has given them right, so. and so you 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 don't need that, and that doesn't. And the thing about it is, is they don't need him to pitch every fifth day in April necessarily, because that's why they've got Mike Leak and who had a solid season last year. I did the reality him. is, is that they're going to throw Bronson Arroyo out there every fifth day for a little while, at least probably. Homer, Homer, Homer's still there. Homer, still. yeah, still there, and <laughs> has a, has never quite taken that next step. But he's still Homer Bailey. They do also have Andrew Brackman in camp on the forty-man mm-hmm. roster. I had forgotten about that. As as the for, as Baseball America's foremost Andrew Brackman advocate, our, I will wear it I, on Andrew Brackman. I, okay, so th- this actually will be a nice segue into our next question, okay. which is: so you are ready to kind of not? I mean, completely, he's not done, but, but you're, completely. But I mean, he's lost his. Uh, I will. I will say that the, the shine is off the the contract never helped. But the, my biggest concern for him always was the makeup. The contract and being a Yankee with that contract placed a lot of pressure on him. I just didn't think that he wanted that kind of pressure. So yes, I'm I'm I've cut bait on on all uh, Andrew Burke. That that that's a segue into our next question, which is from uh, Brad Swanson, who asks which prospects are most in danger of losing prospect status without a good 2012. I'm guessing Aaron Hicks is one. Now, what he means by that obviously is not losing it by losing their eligibility to be prospects, right, but like right. the. The guys who drop off the top hundred, the drop off, drop further off, like to the point of okay, it's time to cut bait on that guy. Like a top hundred guy or a top ten guy? Let's yeah, say a top ten guy, because the top hundred guy. Yeah, because if, if you're in our top ten, if you're in our top hundred, we don't think that this year with a poor year you're done as a prospect. That's correct. That's a very fair way to put it. Because we wouldn't rank you in our top hundred if we did. But Aaron Hicks is a good suggestion. I mean, he's a good. If Aaron Hicks he's a doesn't good name put to it, throw out there. The, the twins are patient, and it's worked out for them in many cases. But at some point, you are waiting for for it to come together for Aaron Hicks, and it's been a long wait. And you know, Dylan Batanzas is probably close to that. I don't know that he's. Well, I don't know when he's out of options. I don't think it's. I don't think it's uh, any time yet. We should ask uh, Matt Eddie about that. 
But, do remember uh, that he was on our 07 top 100 list that we were. Yeah, I mean, he saw, I was about to say, it was a 2006 draft. Uh, you know, Jabba Chamberlain almost feels like he's had his whole career and he was in the same draft class. So, Dylan Batanz is, uh, you know, like, I, I still, you know, we, we've we disagreed about him. We've talked about, like, I don't think he's a reliever. I think he's either a starter in the Bobby Witt slash A.J. Burnett mold, closer to A.J. Burnett than Bobby Witt, but that kind of guy who walks a lot of guys but still strikes out his fair share and is effectively wild. Um, I think he's either that kind of guy or he doesn't make it. I don't think he's Jeff Neiman, but I don't think he has the make the physical – ability to be a guy who's going to get up and down a lot and get warm in the bullpen quick and all that kind of stuff. So to me, he's either going to be a starter and or he's going to be a bust. The, the funny thing about it is, is that I do think that for a guy like Batansis, he's in the worst possible or one of the worst organizations he could be in for his development, not because the Yankees can't develop pitching or anything like that, but from the standpoint that he's on a team, he can't, they can't just hand him ten starts and say figure it out in the big leagues. Well, yeah, I mean, they but they. Ha- I'll give them credit. They have given young pitchers. I'm not their saying chances. they haven't given young pitchers, but the thing about it is, is that they, they've given up on young pitchers, and you know they gave up, so to speak, on Ian Kennedy. <laughs> I think injuries what, contributed to that, and then he's turned out to be pretty good. I, I know it's spring training, there, but did you saw there was a story yesterday about how they're not saying that Pineda. No, no, no. We're not saying that you've got anything locked up yet. Which, yeah, I, I think that I don't know what that's even about. I didn't see that story. I don't know what that could possibly be about. But I mean, they obviously gave up a lot for Michael Pineda, and, and he was in the major leagues last year. I don't expect him to go back. But Ivan Nova got pretty long amount of rope from the previous year. Uh, you know, when he came up for a little bit in the end, it was, and then obviously last year, even when they sent him back down, they didn't want to send him down. I mean, they gave that guy opportunities, and he stumbled a little bit, but he got a chance to. You know, develop in the major leagues. They, I, I feel like they've given guys chances. Okay, I, don't, I don't feel it's the worst. I, obviously, they have pressure to win, but I feel like that's that's a better situation than being, say, I'll pick on this team again, the Royals, and letting guys like Kyle Davies and Luke Hochaver continue to stink. You know, is there evidence that those guys ever got better? I guess there never was with Davies. Davies with, with Hochaver. I don't see it with Hochaver. Yeah, with Hochaver, you. So I'd rather be in the Yankee situation where you have good pitchers around you to learn from, and they are willing to give young pitchers a chance. You have to earn it. You have to earn the right to keep going out there. But if you do, they they will give young pitchers an opportunity. So, I, so you're saying if, if Batanzas does make it, it's going to be on him. I think it's going to be on Dolan Batanzas, not necessarily the Yankees. But the, 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 the issue with Brackman was the contract and the scrutiny, and I thought that he was a little – he shied away from that in college – and that made me think that was a real question about his ability to be to to be in that spotlight and in that crucible of New York. And I, I don't think he could handle it, even just being the spotlight of a Yankees minor leaguer. Casey Kelly's a guy, JJ, for me, who is in this mix. He's a lot. He's younger than some of the guys we're talking about, but I'm a little tired of Casey Kelly. Uh, I think I wrote that he was young for his age in the top 100, which was obviously a, a Yogi Berra-esque malapropism. He's been young for his level, inexperienced yeah, for his the other level. The guy jumps out with that is Martin Perez, too. That's a, that is another one. You're not going to necessarily cut bait on him on either but of those sure guys. They're not see. done as prospects. But, boy, it would be nice if those guys you know performed. What? I'll throw in this one. This is I, I'm the president of the Mike Montgomery fan club. I know this. But this needs to be the year where he needs to show something in AAA that 
Now, I will say this. We had we had this discussion. I don't know if we'll recreate it here. Right. It might be hard to recreate. But I wouldn't be – you know, he needs to show something in AAA that gets him to the big leagues. Then I'm not saying that he's going to dominate the big leagues right when he gets there. I can handle a guy struggling once he reaches the big leagues. If Martin Perez – to take it away from a guy so Georgia, Sure. If Martin Perez has a great first half of the season at AAA and then – from there, goes to the big leagues and gets beat around a little bit. Right. Hit, uh, to That's me, acceptable. To me, he's taking the step forward then. I agree. Because the list of guys who the are major really – major leagues is hard. And the list of great major league pitchers who had bad adjustments to the big leagues is long. Yeah, very absolutely. long. Absolutely. Every pitcher uh, – I mean, Greg Maddox's second year, I guess, the major league, Tom, which is Tom Glavin, Tom Glavin. I looked it up. Tom Glavin didn't have an ERA plus over 100 until his fifth major league season. I have him now in my uh, – 2001 retro league. So, you know, but so like there's, I mean, the Braves are obviously the great example because Matt, you know, what Maddox ended up getting there, but Smoltz and, and Glavin both were, uh, were guys who, who it, it was a struggle before it became, uh, they became dominant, but, but you, you need to see some step forward with, I think all three of those guys, I think all three of those guys, this is a year you need to see a sign that you're, they're putting it together. They're kind of like in the Aaron Hicks boat, but they're pitchers. And because they're pitchers, I think they've gotten a little bit, especially Montgomery and uh, Perez, because they're left-handers who flash plus stuff. They've gotten a little bit of a a pass, and stuff, but they get the benefit of the doubt. They get the benefit of the doubt because also it, the reality of it is, is that, and this is where ranking pitchers is so fun and so difficult at the same time, is that you never know with a pitcher, like, okay, if we re- really rewind this, right. Mariano Rivera. Right. Mariano Rivera coming up through the minors is not the Mariano Rivera who's the best closer of all time. How about Tom Glavin, just to go to your point, his first three seasons, he was 31-37 and 37 with a 419 ERA, so it was a 91 ERA plus, and 595 and two-thirds innings, 181 walks, 303 strikeouts. That's a 4.6 strikeouts per nine ratio through, point, through almost 600 innings. And then you remember, though, I mean, this is the story. That's when he took like, off. Hey, reaches down, picks up a baseball. Huh, that feels pretty natural. Let me try throwing my change up that way. Yeah. Oh, I'm I'm a potential Hall of Famer. That, yeah. I mean, I mean, that's the difference. And that's where pitching gets so difficult and fun to rank is that with any one of these guys, it could be just, I mean, Mike Montgomery is a great example of that. If he, working in spring training today, goes out there and goes, hey, that breaking ball that's grip how goes I, that's really. That's how I want to grip my breaking ball, right? And they could be, he could be a whole different pitcher. And that's where hitters, it's a different, like with Aaron Hicks, Aaron Hicks is not going to pick up the bat today and go, wow, the bat feels really more comfortable. That's I'm right. more comfortable in my stance. Here's my left-handed swing. Yeah, there <laughs> it is. I finally just figured it out. Right, that's not going to happen. It right. can he can grind to it. He can figure things out. He can make an adjustment. Okay, I open my stance up and I can see the ball better coming out of the hand. All things like that. But with pitchers, it's like, oh, I developed a cutter. Right, I'm exactly. a big leaguer now. That's right. It is a little bit different uh, for those guys. Those, but those, uh, that's a good question. I like that question uh, from Brad Swanson. Uh, the the again for future reference. I know we're not taking them live, but. Uh, the Twitter addresses are at Baseball America, at John Manuel BA, and at JJ Coop 36. Um, JJ, one other uh, question that we I passed on that Doug Plort also asked: If you had to rank the best farm system rotation, what would it be the Diamondbacks, Tampa, T- 
Toronto? Where would you so go? So you're assuming that by this, I'm trying to take this, that this is anyone in, like, it doesn't have to be a group, because the Diamondbacks jump out if that you say, okay, all these guys could be in a rotation together. Yeah, that's how I, that's how I interpret the question. For example, like the 2012 Lansing rotation, which could be pretty ridiculous. Daniel Norris. You, should, you can see Norris, Syndergaard, Aaron Sanchez, Justin Nicolino. I'm leaving somebody out. Um, but that that's four pretty stout guys from their top I, ten. I, right I'd there. love to see that, yeah. I'd love to sit on a five-game series with that. That's a good one. I do think that what we saw at the end of the year at Double A Mobile, if that group goes back to Mobile or goes – or goes up potentially, I would guess it would be AAA Reno, which I'm almost <laughs> wondering if they stay at Mobile instead. But Tyler Skaggs and uh, Trevor Bauer are both in our top 13 Skaggs, prospects. Bauer. Uh, their next guy. They took I away Jared was, Parker, who was part of that rotation. Who's their other guy? Did they have Wade Miley there? Or no, I think Wade Miley Brewer. might have been ahead of them. Charles Brewer was in that group. And you could throw Pat Corbin in that group too. You could. You would definitely throw Pat Corbin in that group. He was. Uh, th- those. All those guys were together at the uh, Renaissance uh, Fair. Another one I'll throw out that you could see uh, happening is Double A or Triple A for the Mariners. Well, you're. Yeah, that's that's a, that is a good one to think about, uh, especially if they jump. If they jump, if they were to let's jump say, Taiwan Walker. Let's say they they sent Holtz into Double A to start. And jump Taiwan Walker to Double A, yeah. and then James Paxton could be there too. Paxton made seven starts at Double A last so year. So they could the was, was outstanding, it, right? Could not. I mean, there's a very good. I'd say the likelihood of that group being together is pretty small. That but, would be the best trio with the least likely combination. But then Tampa is interesting. I, I'm not sure which one he's talking about there, but I'm assuming it's the one that we could have here in Durham, because it's possible someone could get sent down from that. Sextet of starters, not likely, but it's possible. Highly unlikely. But you are going to start off with Alex Cobb, Alex Torres, and uh, Chris Archer, uh, which is an interesting trio. Not quite the same prospecting as the, 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 the Diamondbacks hear, we just talked about. The point I did hear though made is is that I I heard this I was listening to uh, some radio show, and I think Jason Stark made the point. It's like a scout told me that you know the the Rays have uh, the Rays. Seventh or eighth guys in their depth chart for starting pitchers, the guys are going to be in Triple A, would be number three starters for our team. So I was like, okay, I don't think that that's a little strong because I don't think. Yeah, I don't three, think Alex Torres or Alex that, Cobb are number three starters. But, but they that are being like said, I'll put it this way. Starters. I'll put it this way: if Alex Torres or Alex Cobb was uh, had been traded to the A's in the off season, they'd they surely have top be top twenty rookies. They'd surely be considered, uh, you know, battling for starting jobs right now. Yeah, Cobb graduated to the majors. He's not in the book anymore. Alex Torres is number six in their list. I don't think there's another group necessarily behind them that I would of like consider lower level. You know, I, I wouldn't put it on the same par as the, their lower level group that would be led by uh, Guerrero. I would not put at the same level as say the Blue Jays. No, I don't. I don't think so. But uh, but a good good question uh, at Baseball America uh, on the Twitter. Um, JJ, we also were talking about our top twenty rookies. I'm going to go back to Mike Montgomery briefly because you didn't have Mike Montgomery on your rookie list. I understand why you didn't because. Like you said, he could have a, a good year for Mike Montgomery would be have a really nice first half in the PCL and then kind of consolidate your gains uh, and then get on, have some success. Then spend the second half in the major league, not getting your brains beat in, but, but adjusting, get, to, adjusting the, to the major leagues. And, and posting, let's say like posting 450, a 450, RA. 460 where you go, hey, there were outings where he looked really good and there are other outings where he looked like a rookie. That would be, that would be successful. And I didn't think of that as being – when we do our top 20 – you know, I think of it as I'm trying as much as I can to to replicate what I think our postseason top twenty when we're right. done with it will 
will be. Which is and so the preseason list. Well, I'm, I'm a little heavier on relievers, I think, than other guys because of that. Because I realize, to me, if you're trying to replicate it, are, we always have a lot of relievers on it because that's really one of the easiest positions to actually succeed as a rookie. Yeah, the, I, I think that's very reasonable. Uh, if I can use this word, bias to put into your top twenty. Uh, we're also usually biased toward. Usually, we're going to. It ties in and go to the better prospect. Oh yeah. Even if we don't see in February that guy's playing time. Mike so Trout. We, Mike Trout is exactly where I was headed. We right. wound up ranking Mike Trout pretty high on our list, but right now JJ, it's really hard to see where he plays just, in with the Angels. But really, what it comes down to is this: you just figure that a team that looks at it as they're competing for a World Series, you know, they're they're planning to go to the World Series right, right now. Right. A they're team like in. that. You, you, I don't care how much money you've got tied into guys. If you look around at the end of April, yeah, and Vernon Wells is the same Vernon Wells that he was last year. He's not in the best shape of his life, but he has completely redone his swing. Uh, working well, with I will Rudy say, Howard maybe, maybe you know, hey, season. if he has a strong April, it's a different story. Right. I think he's got about a month to where you say at the end of that month, they've got enough money to basically, and I know it's, what, three years left on that deal? I think it's three years and $63 million. <laughs> they might have to eat a lot of money. But if that's – they're not a team who's going to say, well, let's just keep throwing them out there. I'm almost hope. surprised that Jerry DePoto – well, I guess they, obviously they, they did try to get a little bit involved in A.J. Burnett. But Maybe. like, where else could they go? What's what's another – who's the Carlos Silva contract is, out that they could trade for? You know, like that was one right of my now favorite you have to hope, Right now you have to basically hope for – some player, if you're the Angels, you're hoping for some player to go nuts on his manager or something somewhere. <laughs> you're, you're hoping he's Zambranos. I mean, that's what you're hoping. Is that's that, a good verb, Zambranos. That, that you Zambrano your way. It's like, okay, we'll take and then we'll eat it, that contract and do whatever we have to. We still rank the Trout up pretty high, but uh, Bryce Harper's other you know, top prospect who's got who, – who figures to lose his rookie eligibility in 2012 – He's a really hard one to get a, a handle on, J.J., just because, first off, he's he's not going to play the whole year more than likely because uh, they're going to want to keep his ar- arbitration clock from starting. B, just how good is he going to be as a 19-year-old? We've got recent evidence of other 19-year-olds who were uber prospects, guys like Justin Upton, guys like Alex Rodriguez, who came to the major leagues as teenagers and struggled before they really did figure it out. But That being said, is, is he much, that much this, better than those guys? I, I looked this up. Because he's going to play the entire year at 19, right? Right, yeah. It's an October birthday. I'll, I'll throw the trivia question out for you. Uh, I, I did get this eventually. I'll tell you, 24 home runs is the record for a teenager in the big leagues. In a season or just as season. a teenager? In a season. Is it Tony Canigliera? You are correct. All right. Uh, I'm Mel Ott is second that. with 18. Now, so, here's the thing. I mean, that, that partly that jumps out like Mel and, and, and you you're at the end of the ten. You get to double digits. You're top ten. Correct. So the point is, is that how crazily tough it is to succeed in the big leagues as a teenager. But it also jumps out. I'll say this: if Bryce Harper makes it to the big leagues at the start of May, he's hitting double digits in home runs. Yeah, I don't see him hitting fewer than ten home runs. Otherwise, uh, the, and at twenty four. It would not stun me for him to basically. We we Matt Eddy made this point in our meet, could in our rookies meeting. 
Did you see him having a Mike Stanton half? Well, yeah. Absolutely. That was a great comp, a Giancarlo Giancarlo Stanton. Stanton it was half. a Mike Stanton half at the time. That's but. right. That's changed now. But, yeah, I mean, to me, it really wouldn't shock me if Bryce Harper went out there and hit 240 or 250 as a rookie but threw in 20 home runs. Oh, and it wouldn't shock me. I wouldn't shock me. I'll, I'll, go, I'll even go down to, like, that he hit a 210, 220. Right. I don't think but he'll. You, I don't think he'll struggle that much. No, but really but with the power to where you're like, especially when you look at the other options that the Nationals have out there, that they go, no, we're we're riding this. Right. Absolutely. That to me, that's the reason that he should not start the major, the season in the major leagues. I don't think you want him to start in the big leagues so that if he struggles so much, you have to send him down because that's that's that would be the worst thing. When, once he's up, you want him up to stay. You know, you don't want to have to. You don't want to have that. If, if to me, if he's hitting two ten, that's not good enough. He needs to go back down, probably. Right. That, the thing you I have to worry about with with all this is, and this was what the the Diamondbacks had to decide with with Justin Upton. At some point, you go, okay, he's hitting a buck eighty eight. Is it time for us to to send him back down? But then you are you are kind of stuck in some ways because you've already told him, no, we think you're ready. And it's yeah. tough to be told to tell a guy, you know, no, you're not. Speaking of guys who were rookies last year, I've got one more Twitter question, then we might wrap this up. But uh, Nick uh, Aquanark, at Aquanark is his uh, handle, will Desmond Jennings be as good a player as Carl Crawford at Crawford's peak? JJ, that's a pretty lofty comparison because Carl Crawford was just an impactful, he was kind of like early career Barry Bonds without the power. You know, left fielder with speed. I know that's a very different player. It's not a Hall of Fame player, Hall of Fame caliber player. But so you know, otherwise, I mean, he did pretty much everything you want a guy to do. Uh, but there's a, I think they're different the key, kinds of players. I was gonna say to me they're different kind of players because the key thing is is a lot of Desmond Jennings' value, not yet, but at some point in his career is going to be tied in the fact that he's a center fielder too. Yeah, although he won't be yet. Right, he's not, not yet. yet. Not yet. But eventually, and that's where if you said how he could have a Carl Crawford value, the best way to put it, the thing that jumps out to me is that. You know, we have, if we don't have the biggest Mike Cameron fan in the world in this office, yeah. we have one of the biggest Mike Cameron fans in the world. Yeah, Connor got to uh, espouse his, uh, just exclaim his uh, his Mike Cameron fandom uh, two weeks ago on the Baseball America show on MLB Network Radio when uh, that was the night that he announced his retirement, and I was in D.C., but I gave him the last minute and a half of the show basically to just talk about how cute uh, Mike Cameron but is. But the thing that jumps out is, is Mike Cameron – in the grand scheme, is a very, very valuable big league player. Mainly because, I mean, really, what's high, if he was a left fielder, right, he'd have been, eh. But because he played a good center field, that added so much value for him. Desmond Jennings, I don't think, is going to play center field to that level that Carl, that, uh, I agree. That, that Mike Cameron did. But if you said, can, I don't think he's going to necessarily be able to match everything offensively that Crawford provided. But when you throw in the fact that he could play a very solid center field on top of that, that kind of means that I think he could have the same value overall because it's more valuable to have that have a useful offensive player as a center fielder than a left fielder. I think, I think Jennings could be a better player than Crawford. Um, I think he's exhibited over the course of his minor league career more patience. I think he has more power. Uh, we saw him for a couple of years in Durham. The first year he had the hand injury in 2010. The ball did not jump off his bat. He clearly wasn't right. 
2011, first half of the year, you could really see the power, and, and he showed it last year when he first got to the big league. He's got to show me that he could make the adjustments because the, the second half of his big league stint last year, he really did kind of s- struggle down the stretch. Um, but to me, Desmond Jennings has more upside than Carl Crawford. He's not as athletic, but I think he will play center field eventually. I think he'll be an average defender in center field. I think he's going to have above-average power for a center fielder. Oh, I, I, don't think th- I don't think he's going to steal as many bases as Carl Crawford, but I think overall he's going to be a little bit more of a well-rounded, complete player. And Carl Crawford at his peak was a pretty outstanding player. But Desmond Jennings, the one you know, the one issue for him has been he, he has been he a little fragile. Healthy? That's it. He's Can been he a little healthy? fragile. And we've seen with Jason Hayward, that was the one question when he was a minor leaguer. And that is dogging him in the major leagues and keeping him, you know, he, he had no consistency, consistency last year. He's going to be one of the more interesting players. Oh, I'll be fascinated. I'm fascinated year. to watch. Hey, hey I'm, <laughs> I am fascinated to watch the 2012 Jason Hayward season. Just the whole, uh, you know, the fact that he couldn't adjust to pitches above his belt. Even my seven-year-old knew last year when he would watch quick pitch. Well, if you throw him a pitch above his hands, he, he can't handle it. Um, I'd like to see him make those adjustments. I want to see him stay healthy all year. Even the, I mean, it was almost like early career Justin Morneau in some ways, where Morneau had, was dogged about these questions of how tough he was and that kind of stuff, um, which obviously in hindsight was kind of ridiculous. But there were qu- those kind of questions about uh, Jason Hayward's toughness and ability to play through injuries last year. Baseball's a very hard game, and there are a whole lot. Hey, hey he may never come back to what he was as a rookie, but you know right. what? I think he will, and the thing that jumps out to me is that there's a whole lot of great players who had terrible seasons during their career. Yeah. I mean, I mean Cal Ripken's a great player. The bad Cal Ripken years, still a valuable player because he was a shortstop and all. But, but, but pretty ugly. But those are pretty ugly. Johnny Bench, one of the best catchers of all time. Johnny Bench would have great years, and he have years like, oh, he kind of lost it a little bit that year. That I meant to tell you, that's going to be – I'll tease this for later in the week. That's going to be my history lesson this week on the college uh, side – with the retirement of Jason Veritek, why the Johnny Bench Award should be the Jason Veritek Award. So that's going to be an epic rant. I can't wait for that one. So I had to tease it a little bit here on the podcast. We we, we had no idea what we were going to talk about coming into this podcast. I never worry about it. I never do. (laughs) And I was stressed about it. So great stuff. Thanks to all of our listeners for the great questions. Again, you can send those in in the future, podcast at baseballamerica.com or uh, on Twitter. And just to give you a little, as you're listening to this, a little heads up what's coming up. Um, we do have – we'll have the top 20 rookies coming up on the site before long. Uh, we'll have uh, – I'm kind of excited. You know, if you've got fantasy drafts coming up, if you're a subscriber, we're going to roll out our – we're running our position rankings right. uh, before the season starts. So we'll have – And they go pretty deep. It's yeah. well beyond the top 100. Right. Uh, I think we went uh, 65 deep on right-handers, 40 or 45 deep on left-handers, Uh and 25 deep on, I think, relievers and catchers. And that's, so that's the four that will be coming out next. But, yeah, so and that's just, the, that's just the start. Right, so. and, we'll do, and we'll do all positions. So so we got that coming up as well. As as normal, we weekend preview tomorrow, which will cover everything in college baseball for the weekend and get you ready for that. Yeah, and it's been a big – already big, there's been a lot of news just draft-wise. Um, Lucas you know, Giolito hit 100. We had that up on the site today. Yeah, Victor Roach break, breaking his wrist. So there's been a lot of news. Uh, you know, Kyle Zimmer's breakout the first weekend of the year. So there's been a lot already happening. And uh, obviously – And with that, hey, just keep going to you know, baseballamerica.com. But also if you are on Twitter, if you are on Facebook, if you're not following us on Twitter – 
you know, at Baseball America, is again, we're over 51,000. We do, it's not just an automated list of links. We also will try to kind of, we post stuff during the day. Here's what's coming up on the site. Other news we've seen from other places, we try to retweet some of that too, like Sammy Solis, TJ. Right, we weren't the first to report that. We'll pass that on on the site, though, and here's where you saw the report. Things like that. Um, How far are the, na- the Nationals going to fall on our farm system rankings wow. from one? They won't do a press release the second time. We do their rankings. That's coming up in the next issue uh, two weeks from now, which is the minor league preview issue. And then, and also like us on Facebook. We also, we, we kind of, we keep things going on Facebook too. So uh, just, you know, find us at Baseball America on Facebook as well. Great stuff, JJ. And again, great stuff from our listeners. Uh, thanks for all the questions. We'll see you next time on the next Baseball America podcast. So long, everybody.